From the headquarters of the Guild of Champions, this is the Chris Terrell Podcast. Welcome back to another week of your weight loss quest. If you're new here, I am your host, Chris Terrell. I've lost 125 pounds myself, took me two and a half years to do it, and I have been successfully keeping that weight off. And if you would like to learn how I did that, then this is the right place for you. Now, if you're looking for like some sort of quick fix or a fad diet or how to crash off weight loss or weight really fast, well, you're, you're in the totally wrong place. That's not what we do here. Here we talk about how to make real, meaningful, and lasting changes to your life. One of the things you're gonna learn on a long weight loss journey is this is a psychological battle in as much as it's a physical one between you and the food. There's so much that goes on in our own head that we don't even know about, and we got to figure out the things we don't know about and then address them and change them. Gosh, yeah, it's it can be as tricky as it sounds sometimes, but here's the thing. We're always changing. Like, think about it. Are you the same person you were five years ago? No, you probably weren't. No, you're not going to be the same person five years from now either. You are going to change. The question is, are you going to change on accident? Or are you gonna change on purpose? Because if you change on accident, I don't know what results you're gonna get. No way to predict, we'll find out. Or if you wanna change on purpose, well, maybe you could pick the result you like at that point and decide where you wanna go. Now, before I jump into this week's topic, I would like to invite you to come to a seminar that I am doing next week. I did this last year and I'm gonna do it again this year. Now, let me tell you, this is a very special thing. I want you to know what it is first. Uh, my father passed away on June 10th, 2019. And in my, I want to give that time of year a positive meaning. I want to give back every year on the day that my dad left this earth. And I want to do so by teaching people the things that I learned that have brought me so much joy and happiness in my life. And I want to share them with you. It's totally free. It costs you nothing. This is not one of those things where you sign up and I'm going to give you two little nothing burgers of information that you could learn on any sort of billboard driving down the street and then offer you some big salesy pitch. That's not what this is. This is mission driven. I want to give back. I want you to walk away from this going like, wow, this really, really helped. And I am so excited this year to be joined by Dr. Catherine Terrell. Uh, she is. She and I share a passion for helping people get aligned with their purpose and moving towards where they want in life. I specialize in weight loss, and she does so in other areas of her uh, clinical psychology practice. And we both wanted to come together and do this at this time of year to really give back. And she and I, we were planning this morning, just getting the final touches ready on what we're going to teach you. And I want to invite you to come along on the journey. If you're feeling stuck, if you're feeling directionless, or if you're like, you would like to revisit your goals, specifically your values, finding what is important to you, this is the thing for you. If you want to learn how to live an extraordinary life, well, this is the place for you because here we're going to teach you the first couple of steps in detail. We're going to walk you through it. You're going to get written exercises. We're going to, you are going to walk away with this thing with tangible benefits that are going to help you. And I am so excited to have you come join. So if you'd like to come to uh, to be a part of this, again, it is totally free. It is Friday, June 9th. Door, digital doors open at 5.30 p.m. The show kicks off at 9. 
or, or sorry, at 6 p.m. goes to 9, and then we're going to pick up again the following morning and go from 9 to 12. And again, totally free. It costs you nothing other than your incredibly valuable time. It is next weekend. I'd love to come have you be a part of it if you want to. There's a link to it in the show notes. And depending on when you listen to this, there may be a link by going to ChrisTarrellCoaching.com. You can also find a link to it in the free Facebook group, which I would love to invite you to join. If you're not a member of that already, we have over 4,000 people in it. Uh, you can find a link to that in the show notes, or you can go to ChrisTarrellCoaching.com, scroll down, click on free Facebook group. In there, I'll be talking all about it. I'll be po posting about it all over the place. And if you've ever downloaded any of my free resources, uh, you'll have noticed you rarely get emails from me because I'm going to email you about this. But otherwise, I don't really want to bombard you. So would love to see you there. Share the link. Bring anybody you think that would be of value. And if you listen to me and you want to use this as a way to introduce people in your life to me and what I teach here, this would be a great jumping off point to have them come join. Maybe have them come sit with you. All right. Um, it is now six months into the year. And for me, I my psychological year begins in the summer. It begins on June 10th. June 10th is my New Year's because it's really then that my new self began to be born is on the on the, the heels of my father leaving this earth. And so this is a time of year where I really tend to look inward and become introspective. I do it about every six months, but now it's the time to go, okay, the year is done. What have I learned in another year since my father passed? It's something I started doing ever since he left this earth, and I started to every year go, how have I advanced and grown? What have I learned? What has brought me greater joy and happiness? Losing weight was a part of that journey. Losing weight and mastering my body was 100% a part of that journey. And it's a journey I'm still on to this day. I'm still learning how to continue to master my body. And I, it's, a, it's been a great journey. And I know you're on your own journey too. And so uh, what I do as a part of this is I write down a summary of my thoughts every year. I write them in January and I'll kind of pick at them for the next six months. And I see what sticks around uh, by the end of my year. And... Um, so I wrote some stuff down, and I for I want to share it with you, actually. I've never shared this stuff before, and it just, I don't know. I, I was reading over my journal uh, today, just kind of flipping back through it, and I was reading over this stuff, and I was like, you know, I think some of this stuff here would have helped me if I learned it sooner. And so I thought I'd share it with you. So I, I'm just going to read from my journal here, and I'm going to pause, and I'll, I'll interject some, some things and some thoughts as to what created some of the things I wrote because this is meant to be a little bit more of a condensed thing. So um, 2022 was a good year. In keeping with normal, all the best things happen without concrete plans. That's how I opened it up. Uh, this year really solidified my personal belief in taking a fuzzy planning approach to life. Uh, and fuzzy planning, what, what that means is I, I don't plan things that I don't have complete control over when I avoid when I can. You know, sometimes I have no choice but to kind of make a plan. But like I'll take road trips now and I'll just plan everything as I go. And it just it's reduced a lot of stress in my life. Uh, there seems to be a much higher happiness factor in my own life when I stop trying to force the future to happen the way I think would be best. The reality is when I allow the future to unfold in front of me, I am much happier. That has something I started learning a couple of years ago and has been holding true ever since. That when I try to force the future to be something in the way that I want it to play out, I'm basically just miserable the whole time because, you know, I have yet to figure out how to control the course of time. 
Of course, this approach has brought me face to face with the perspectives I hold around expectations. I've come to the realization that expectations are largely arbitrary, and because of this, I am free to set or not set any expectation I'd like. So last year, the idea of expectations came to the forefront. I started really considering it. And so there, here's this next line in my journal that um, was the lesson. This is the lesson. A large percentage of my causes for dissatisfaction can be traced back to an expectation that went unmet. I've come to see that by and large, whenever I'm unhappy, it's because I had some sort of expectation in my mind that I created of how something was going to pan out. And when it didn't pan out that way, I got upset because of an unmet expectation that I set. So here's this next paragraph. If I am the one who sets my expectation, then I suppose I am the source of my dissatisfaction. <laughs> if I set different or no expectations, then I would have reacted differently. This understanding has been vital to my increase in peace. <laughs> it's still true. Six months later since I wrote this, that is still true. Um, expectations uh, that go unmet that I created has resulted in me being the source of my own dissatisfaction in a lot of parts of my life. This leads to my next breakthrough. I once thought I wanted happiness. What I really want is peace. Inner peace. This has been much to unpack for me to arrive at this point. Oh, sorry. There has been much to unpack for me to arrive at this point. In the interest of brevity, I'll provide a list of realizations that have increased my own inner peace. I used to think I wanted to be happy before I get to this list. I am going to read the list. Um, I realize now it is more about being at peace. Because sometimes sometimes terrible things happen in the world. Um, you know, just recently I had to go through losing a couple of pets in quick succession. It sucked. I was sad. I felt I felt grief. Like I don't I don't wish I hadn't felt the grief. I'm okay that I felt the grief. I want to be at peace even though I'm feeling the grief. Like that was an important distinction I had to make because when I just said I wanted to be happy, that meant if I was feeling grief, I wasn't living up to my goals. And and, and that's understandable because I, you can't be happy all the time, but you can be at peace even when you're unhappy. All right, so let's go through the, let's see, how many things are on this? I think it was 15. Yeah, 15 things. So uh, number one, I am now, the past is a memory and the future is anticipated. If I attempt to live anywhere but here and now, I do so at the expense of my present moment. And that is 100% true. I've realized like I can't, my brain can't actually operate in the future. Like my brain can't cast itself a year into the future and then control what that guy does. Um, can't do that. Nor can I project it into the past and change what occurred. Um, my brain only works here and now. And it's fine to plan and prepare occasionally for the future, I think, and to pause and reflect on the past, but I shouldn't live in either one of them. All right, number two, my purpose isn't to be right. It's to uncover truth. I have had problems in the past with my ego not wanting to let me learn things because my ego thinks it knows everything and it doesn't like feeling the inadequate feelings that sometimes accompany a, re a realization then I don't know something. And what I realized that is, is I had fear related to learning. And 
it's, I've always loved learning. That's the interesting thing. But what I've realized is I had a hard time letting other people, other people teach me. And I had a hard time um, letting other people tell me I'm wrong. And then listening to them. I would let them tell me I'm wrong and then I would fight to argue with them. And I'm like, somebody that is qualified to tell me I'm wrong, I would argue with them. And I was like, how, how, how does this make sense? This doesn't make sense. So I realized over the course of the last year that I struggled to let myself learn. So I started going into in these learning environments and I would walk in and I would tell myself, empty your cup, you know nothing. Empty your cup, you know nothing. And then I walk in and I just go listen. Or I'll walk up, or when I'll get onto a webinar that I'm in and I'm like, okay, your goal is to learn one thing new. Learn one thing you didn't know. Come out of this with a new realization. I started realizing when I started saying that, I started finding it. And I realized I was beginning to shift and I was becoming more interested in uncovering truth instead of being right. Still working on that one. Um, I suspect I probably always will, actually. But we'll see. Number three, I am not my thoughts. I am not my emotions. I have thoughts and experience emotions. My objective is to observe my thoughts and to express my emotions in an empowering way. This is another carryover. But I am not my thoughts. I have them. Such a game-changing realization for me, but not anywhere near as game-changing as I am not my emotion, I experience emotions. And this begins to help me realize that I am not my body. I am not my body. Number four, I just read it again. I'm going to skip number four because that one's quite personal. So you're going to get a list of 14. I may read number four one day, but not right now. Okay, number five. All things pass, the good times and the bad times. However, I now see that my use of the word good and bad are incorrect. I have pleasant things and unpleasant things. I do not get to know if something is good or bad in the moment. I once thought my dad passing was a bad thing. I no longer believe that. I don't believe it was a bad thing. I believe it was incredibly unpleasant, remarkably unpleasant. It was an unpleasant experience. But I have to be perfectly honest. I am completely better off since it's occurred. I, I, am, I am better since then. I can't say it's because he died, but I know that I learned lessons that came from him dying. And I know I had to work through guilt at feeling, you know, I felt guilt because I was grateful for the things I learned as a result of his passing. I had to accept that. And but I've come to see that in the moment, something can be so incredibly or unpleasant and painful that we believe it must be bad. But that doesn't mean it is bad. And that distinction between pleasant and unpleasant, good and bad, separating those two categories changed so much in life. Number six, I live each day in isolation. What I mean is I do everything I can to live in the present day. This is a trickier one because I must regularly look ahead to know where to set my sail and I must look backwards to extract the lessons. These activities must be done carefully because the past and imagined future can pull me away from now. Finding the balance is the current struggle. And I am still there, always attempting to balance, casting myself into the future to attempt to see what's coming so I can prepare in the here and the now but not living there. I mean, if I spend days wallowing in the future, that's not, I, that's too much. I, I already know that. But it's more of like 
you know, where's the line, right? Where's the line? Number seven, fear is not my enemy, but fear that has gone unchecked can kill a dream. Fear is like fire. You can find peace and comfort in a small fire with boundaries around it. Fear can make me feel alive even. However, boundless fire with too much kindling can grow out of control and take over entire mountains. My dad always taught me, never make a decision from a place of fear. Don't make a decision when fear is in the driver's seat. And it's such an important thing I've realized because it's fine to let fear weigh in when deciding what to do, like when deliberating, I guess you could say. But fear, when it's time to make the decision, fear should not be the one making that decision. And fear can get out of control if you don't keep it in check. Number eight. Uncommunicated expectations leads to a lot of disappointment. Seeking to predict how others will act only leads to disappointment, not because there is anything wrong with others' actions, but because I can't know how others think and feel. I've had to improve so much in my life since I started my weight loss journey at communicating my expectations to others instead of expecting other people to be able to read my own damn mind. And sometimes I don't even know what I want, and then I'd get mad at other people for not giving me what I don't know that I want, but somehow I expected them to know what I want. See how weird this gets real fast? Like, when I just started asking myself, what do I want, and then communicating that to the people around me, my life got better. But I also started to get no's. Like, sometimes when you ask people for what you want, they tell you no, or they don't come through. And I had to come to realize, like, I was so afraid of people telling me no that I wouldn't ask people for things because I was so afraid of getting a no. I am so glad I got over that. All right, number nine. While the motivations are often pure in intent, I must always remind myself that it is not my job to manage the thoughts and feelings of others. This is particularly difficult with those I love. Yes, 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 yes. It is not my job to manage the thoughts and feelings of anybody else. That doesn't mean I, it doesn't give me a free pass to go be a jerk. But even, even if I was a jerk, it's still not my job. But don't be a jerk, like make it easy. But I will say with those you love, this is a hard one because you're so emotionally invested in this success that um, hmm, it can be hard to sort of detach from control of the other's emotions. But it is important. Number 10. Something is not communicated when it is said. Something is communicated when it is understood. A failure to stop and check for understanding can result in unintentional miscommunication. So my dad used to tell me that all the time. Like, it's not, it's, it's not communicated when you said it. It's communicated when they understand what you're saying. And if they can't repeat it back to you, you didn't explain it right. Um, explain it better. It's not their fault. And I had some, I somehow forgot that lesson. Like I knew it and I really practiced it, but somehow in the rest of my life, I, outside of a work setting, I didn't do that. I didn't check for understanding. I didn't, I didn't check to see if I was being an effective communicator. I just talked and just, and if somebody didn't get it, I'd blame them when the reality is that's my fault. I explained it in a way that they couldn't understand it. And as the communicator, it's my job to figure that out. Yes, in a perfect world, the other person would say, I don't understand. But come on, I had to start realizing, I don't say that when I don't understand. 
I'm so worried about what people will think of me. I can't get myself to say, I don't understand. And I expect everybody else to do it. I had to realize I was just being a big old hypocrite. I had to stop doing that. And realizing that it is my job to check for understanding. My job. <laughs> so that one, this one, I'm glad I've rediscovered it. It's been making life a lot better. Number 11, if I can't explain it to others, I probably don't understand whatever it is. I, I don't think I need to elaborate more. I think that one's pretty self-explanatory. Uh, number 12, mastery of the details leads to improved results. This is vital for inner peace because peace comes as a result of doing these seemingly unimportant details. It's the things easiest to skip that have the greatest impact over time. Yep. Yep. Mastery of the basics. If you talk to anybody that's an expert in what they do, you'll probably find they have a remarkable amount of control and understanding of the basics of the fundamentals of what they do. I'll bet it's the same holds true for you with whatever you do. Number 13, self-communication might be the most important skill. Learning to master self-talk results in greater control over my focus. My language matters. Words matter. Um, I didn't prioritize my ability to communicate with myself for, for a large part of my life. In fact, it was not even something I gave a ton of thought to, to be honest. It was once I started learning how to effectively communicate my, with myself, just in the same way I learned how to effectively communicate with family members, I learned how to effectively communicate with bosses, with peers, with employees, with clients, with prospects. I learned how to effectively communicate with all those people. And in fact, I would buy books to teach me how to communicate with others. But I never worked on communicating with myself because I didn't think it was necessary. And it's funny, you know, you don't even know what it is you don't know when you're trying to get good at something. I was trying to become good at self-mastery and I was not working on self-communication. Hmm. Number 14, what I know is not as important as how I think. I've really come to see that learning how to think is an incredibly crucial skill. And we do not come out of the womb innately knowing how to think. We have to be taught. We have to learn. And we have to practice thinking. Wow. What a trip. And last, number 15. The most important question is the one I don't even know to ask yet. I must continually remind myself that I will find answers in the land of my ignorance. To grow, I must become comfortable with my own ignorance. Only then will I see and accept new truths. And that's really where I want to end this. Number 15. I'm glad it is the end of the list, but it's, I want to end the whole episode here. To be comfortable with my own ignorance. It's weird how hard it can be to admit I don't know something. It's strange. Something super reasonable to even not know is hard to admit sometimes. But the answers to what I want are often eluding me because I don't know them. It's not because I learned them and forgot them. It's because I never learned it. And I need to have the knowledge planted in my mind and I need to learn how to craft it into something I can understand. And if I'm so afraid at being around people that make me feel ignorant, I'm not going to learn anything. 
You don't learn anything by being the smartest person in the room, I've come to see. You learn the most when you're somewhere in the middle, <laughs> I think, because then you can have the knowledge below you tested and hear it in new ways, reimagined, and then you can have the knowledge you've not yet learned being spoken to you all the time. You need a holistic exposure. And I used to pride myself on being the smartest guy in the room in my old career. I would tell myself, I'll outstudy anybody. I'll show up more prepared than anybody, ready to answer every question, retrieve any file in a moment's notice. I spent a ridiculous amount of time thinking of my file management system and memorizing ridiculous amounts of information. So just in the event somebody asked me, I'd have the answer. I spent so much time learning and trying to cram this knowledge in my head that I didn't ever stop to ask myself, how am I getting in my own way and what do I need to learn about myself so that I can go get better results in my life? I wasn't ever doing that. I had to create the space. I had to become comfortable with not knowing something and coming face to face with it. And that has changed my life. And I'm going to keep working on that. Neil deGrasse Tyson said, I seek to have my mind blown once a day. He wants to learn something that blows his mind once a day. I tried it there for a while to like make it a point to like come up and articulate one thing I learned every day. And it's tough. You got to like go seek it out. Like it's easy at first, but I have to constantly just be coming up with questions to go, what's an interesting question I don't know the answer to? And then going and looking it up. I remember on my journey, I was like, Everybody always tells me you got to get fiber. Why? Like, why? What does fiber do? Why do I need it? Like, and so I started researching it. And I was like, okay. I mean, it was really simple. The research was I opened up Google and said, why do I need to eat fiber? Like, I just typed that in. And then right away, I don't remember exactly how this journey went, but I remember the order in which I learned things. The first thing I learned was we have soluble and insoluble fiber. What? What does that even mean? Soluble and insoluble fiber. Does it matter? Do I need certain amounts of both? See how one question just created more questions? So then I started looking into them and I started seeing that when I have soluble fiber, your, your body breaks it down into like a, I guess you'd call it like a gel or something. And, uh, but it breaks it down, but it, 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 is it emulsifies? I don't remember the exact word, but it begins to break it down some and then it pulls the nutrition out of it and it passes the fiber and the insoluble just passes through you. And, and I remember just thinking like, huh, I didn't know that. Why did people tell me to get it though? You just tell me like it passes through me. So why do I need to eat the thing that just passes right through me? That doesn't make any sense. Why is everybody telling me to get it? And then in that bit of research, I started learning that, oh, the reason why I need to get fiber is because it slows down the process of digestion. And if I can slow down the process of digestion, I take in food slower, like the body absorbs the nutrients at a slower rate. And if it absorbs it at a slower rate, I'm not getting so many calories into my bloodstream. Oh, wow, this is interesting. And you see, and I can begin to tug on that thread. And that led me to understanding about the thermic effect of food. I started learning about digestion and how it works. I'm like, why do I need to know about digestion? All I need to know about is what has carbs in it or not, I'm thinking. No, Because when I learn about digestion, I begin to understand that, oh, wow, if I have protein, that has a 25% thermic effect. As in, if I have 100 grams or calories of protein, I'm going to spend 25 calories digesting it. Oh, wow, that's fascinating. What about sugar? Well, if I have 100 calories of sugar, 
I only spend about five calories digesting it. What? This is nuts. And you just keep researching and you keep finding new questions. And I've been doing this for years, y'all. There's so much information out there you can learn that you can be obtaining just about the food you eat. Then we can get into the mind. We can get into the body. We can get into all of these different things. The answers to every single one of your problems is in your ignorance. It's somewhere you don't know. And if you can get comfortable looking at it, if you can get comfortable wandering into the valley of your I don't knows, you'll find all the truths you need to get you where you've always wanted to go. Have a great week, everybody. I would love to see you in my webinar next week to honor my dad on his passing. I, I do the seminar and I tell myself, I want to do something in a way that he would be proud. If he was sitting in the audience, he'd be going, that's my boy. That's what I'd want him thinking. That's what I'm bringing to you. I want to see it there. See you next week on the Chris Jarrett Podcast. Podcast.